Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Welcome. Welcome. It is not the Michael. Surprise, surprise. But it is Natalie and Iman. If you're a regular watcher, brother from another, you know Iman Adden. She is a friend of the show, NBA writer, and Sports Yahoo contributor, Sports Yahoo Canada. Thank you for joining me today, Iman. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week, but we have a lot to get into, surprisingly. And I say that only because, like, we're about to get a break in the NBA season. Um, Football, which is a major talking point on this show, NFL specifically, Super Bowl just happened, right? So it's like you expect it to be a quiet week in sports, and yet somehow there's still so much to get into. So NBA All-Stars coming up. A lot of people are heading there, and we want to get into that. But last night, there was some news that came out about who one of the judges for the dunk contest was going to be. And I think it kind of caught everyone by surprise. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's Karl Malone, and I'm just curious... I was I was very shocked and surprised by the, the the fact that the NBA would invite him to be a judge for for the dunk contest. And so, what were your initial thoughts on that? I appreciate the fact that you were surprised. I appreciate that you have optimism about the way that this league operates because although I was disappointed, I wasn't surprised at all. And, you know, I think what's frustrating about that, why, you know, it should be surprising to people is the NBA purports itself to be this like progressive league, right? Like that's the moniker that they want to take, but they're not really progressive unless it affects their bottom line. They're not really progressive unless there's major outrage and they're, you know, it's on the easy side to be progressive. And I think what's really, really important for everyone to remember here is not taking a stance on something like this is very well taking a stance. (laughs) Like there's no ground for neutrality when we're talking about who you're honoring. And the NBA cannot pretend that, you know, they're this league that can separate art versus the artist, a player from the person, because players wear the number six patch on their jerseys because we're honoring a person, not the player. It's not that Bill Russell is one of the greatest or, you know, arguably the greatest to some people NBA player ever. It's the fact that he was an even greater person. It's the fact that he, it's what he did off of the court that we're honoring by putting on that number six patch. So the NBA knows very well that by honoring players, they're honoring a person. So honoring Carl Malone is honoring him as a person. And the things that we know that he's done in his past is something that you can't just look over. Yeah, and you know, and I think there may be some people who don't know what he's done in his past, right? So just just to be clear, Karl Malone, when he was 20 years old and in college, he impregnated a 13-year-old, and they had a child together. And so that came out, like, years later. Like, a lot of people did not know about that. He was never convicted of statutory rape. He was never even charged with it. And so... I feel like a lot of times with these leagues, not just the NBA, but all of them, 
I think a lot of times people like to get by, well, well, the person was never convicted or there were never charges. And I don't know really what the NBA's reasoning could be, but you know, it was, it was a very big topic last night on, on NBA Twitter. And I think, you know, I, I don't know that this will get the attention that it probably should, because again, like there were no charges. It sort of happened a long time ago. You know, the family has said that they, at the time, they opted not to really pursue anything for whatever their reasonings are. So I just don't think it's something that a lot of people know about, but it is something that he did. And um, it's, it's, I shouldn't have said I'm surprised, cause no, it doesn't surprise me, but it's just like, why did you have to do this? I get that it's in Utah, but like, you just did not have to have him do this. And now you've created a subject that people are gonna talk about and bring negative attention to what should be a fun time, a celebration. And for what reason? I mean, what do they think is gonna happen when the dunk contest comes on and he's there putting up his scores? We saw just the, the announcement about it, the kind of conversation that it started. So why, why bring this attention um, and it, it also, in a way, is like saying, like, we don't care. We're giving it a pass. You know, that's essentially what they're saying. I mean, yeah, I think all publicity is good publicity. That's like what the NBA is letting us know by doing something like this. They're like, hey, people are talking about the dunk contest. You know, we're not talking about who the players are that were selected for the dunk contest because that was of no interest to anyone, seemingly. So, like, what are we talking about? We're still finding a way to talk about the dunk contest. They found a way to do it. Um, but it's to me, it's, it's disappointing that this is the stance that the league took. I can understand not acknowledging it in the past, whether you don't know, but, like, minds change, society changes. We are at a point where we have to acknowledge the wrongs that have been done in the past, but we're also at a point where we have to um hold the league accountable to twitter right like that's that's something that you're starting to see you're starting to see pushback online and i think that that's an important thing because conversations like this taking place on a platform like that would not have been something that happened even a decade ago so the fact that it's happening now and it's a topic of conversation it's what we're leading the show with lets you know that people actually do care and i think part of that is having you know a, a diverse group in the media, right? Like as women, we felt it necessary to start the show with this. And so we're starting to see a shift in the way these conversations are happening. And I hope that leagues take notice of that. And in the future, when they do make decisions, they make it with that in mind. One would hope, one would hope, but right now I'm not that optimistic. Um, but I think that we've given Carl Malone enough time and attention. Um, I really, I just, I was so Bye. disturbed by it. Yeah, so, but look, we're talking about All-Star and I am personally not that excited for All-Star Weekend. You mentioned the dunk contest. We found out the people were gonna be in it. It was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it just, I don't know. It hasn't had the same excitement, right? For a long time. I mean, we kind of had like, you know, um, Zach Levine, you know, that one, you know, but then after that. In Toronto. Get Toronto the slam dunk contest. Whether it's Vince <laughs> or it happening in my city, we do it right. Yeah, but I mean, outside of that year, which I sort of feel like was an outlier, it hadn't really been that great in, in a number of years. Not like the way it was 
back in back in the days and I'm going to date myself here because I am someone who grew up watching, you know, those dunk contests, you know, the classics, Dominique, Jordan. And I mean, to have the top stars of the league in it, but also like they were incredible, tremendous athletes. And I know now you see the dunk from the foul line and it doesn't really look like much. But then in that moment, it was like great. It was spectacular. And in general, it's just you're not like that used to be the thing. I think people are more excited about the three-point contest. Maybe not this year, but in general, I think you kind of get a little bit more now into the three-point contest than you do the dunk contest. So it's pretty um, disappointing. And I, I honestly, it's not just the dunk contest. I don't have a lot of enthusiasm about it the all-star game and I don't know like I'm just gonna say it maybe it's because it's in Utah <laughs> um, you have a lot of the stars out this year of course my guy Stephen Curry's out Kevin Durant is out I think it's questionable how much LeBron is going to actually play in the game we know he's um, managing an injury so you have some of the top stars that maybe we're not gonna get to see you know put on a show and I don't know. I'm just not that excited about it. And I sort of think it's reflective of the season because the NBA season hasn't been that great. Um, I'm sure for Denver fans and Boston and, and the Bucks. I'm sure for like you those three teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because trades just happened. But up to and leading before the trade deadline, it was a pretty mid. It's been a pretty mid season, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think part of that, I think a large part of that has to do with the parody in the league, like bringing in the the plan i don't know that the like if the nba knew how well this would take i mean good for them because what it's created is these teams who want to make a run for it right like my raptors were what the 10 seed on the trade deadline and still became buyers right because it's like hey we got a chance and so the nba has has changed whereas at any other point in the season if you were at any other season i should say if you're the 10 seed you're looking to sell you're looking to get rid of your guys because the chance of you getting into that top eight is very slim but now you're like I just need to be where I am. And so that's created more parody than ever, which is why we don't have these super teams. So I'm kind of excited because I do think the Warriors and the Heat and all those super teams broke my brain where I'm like, I like that. <laughs> I want to watch the most dominant team in basketball. So I'm excited to watch this Phoenix Suns uh, team. But back to the All-Star. I love the All-Star. I love the drama of the All-Star. I like, I love the fact that they're going to do the 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 picks during yeah. the game i love the fact that it's not going to be behind the tv i, I, I ha, like enjoying things like that not to bring up your guy steph here but like when the nba had the steph and aisha show promo it was like you know what they could have filled that time in with an all-star pick like they could have done something different there and it's great to see them do that now um and to answer your your point about the dunk contest and the three-point shoot shooting contest the real difference there is jason tatum is going to be in the three-point shootout, right? Like, you have guys like Curry and Clay and KD and Kevin Love. You can go through the years in the past and see the amount of stars that do that. And for the dunk contest, you just don't have the same name weight. But I maintain my point that I think Dwayne Wade has cursed the dunk contest by stealing that win from Aaron Gordon. It's why he won't join <laughs> it back again. Give it back to him. Give it back. Give it. I, look, in the original one, they should have just had co-winners. I know no one likes that, but whatever. And then, yes, Dwayne Wade definitely stole it from him. Um, you're right. I am excited about the draft, but, you know, Vincent Goodwill, who's going to be joining us later, he was on a couple of weeks ago with us, and he said that, like, that might be what people are most excited about, like the draft itself, but not the actual games and the events. And I think that that's problematic, you know? Like, that shouldn't be what what we're – 
um, most excited about. But I also, you know, back to your point about parody, because I don't know that I'm sold so much on this idea that there's like all this parody that people are saying. Um, I, the records would reflect that, particularly in the West, I think. But I don't think it's real. You know, I think you had a team like um, the Clippers, who their main guys were not playing a lot, you know, Kawhi particularly. I think you've had like Stephen Curry, who's missed a third of the season, Andrew Wiggins, who was out, you know, a large portion of the time. Well, 20 percent of the season. I'm just not sold on on parody. And now you've had like a team like the Pels that have dropped down because they've lost their guy, Zion, right? So I don't know if it's injury or what it is, but some of these records and standings, they feel fake to me. And I think assuming once the postseason comes and people get healthy, I think we will see like, for lack of a better phrase, the men separate themselves from the boys. But I don't know that I really believe there's parody. Not in the West, maybe in the East, I'm not sure. I, I, you know what? You know what? I think the difference is, even when it comes to injuries, the thing is having depth matters, right? Like, and having multiple stars matter. And yes, there's when the playoff comes, you're gonna separate the men from the boys because superstars are still what the playoffs are all about, right? Like, you need to have. Quite often, we're picking the best player, right? Like we were picking the best player in the series to go on. So you still need to have that superstar. But what changes is the depth. It's do you have like the Celtics, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit. Their team is deep. But how many teams go 10 deep? Not as many as possibly in the past. The Warriors, throughout their entire run, they've had some really good benches and in, in deep, deep teams. And to have a, a superstar delayed team that still has bench guys is something that happens maybe when there are eight teams, when you don't have 10 teams going and trying to make the playoffs and you only are focusing on eight teams. So I think the conversation about injuries also comes to guys are playing more minutes. Um, guys are having to play more minutes. And it's, to me, the, the conversation about parity is not so much in the playoffs. It's what does the regular season look like? What do these rosters look like? How deep are they? The Denver Nuggets, you talked about them having a great season, but their bench is putrid, right? And it's because teams really lack depth because if you're a 10 seed right now, you're not giving up your best player, your second best player. You're like, why don't I keep them? Because there is a chance that I make the playoffs. And also my owners get two, maybe one, possibly two games of additional revenue. And so they're keeping it. So yeah, I think the the uh, parody is not so much about the playoffs, but everything in totality. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, 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 it, it definitely does. And I, I look, I'm looking forward to, we have like all these newly constructed teams and I'm looking forward to seeing what, they're going like I think post all-star break is almost like when we're going to see the NBA season to begin right like I think you're going to have some players getting back we have new teams and so at least that's how I feel about the west you know the east like there was this whole thing this year about like the east being the stronger conference now and like one trade deadline I think they're good there's no they're still good but do you think they're stronger than the west well, I think I think the West, I mean, if you go through it, I think there are four teams in the Eastern Conference that you can look at and be like, these are four legit good teams. In the Western Conference, of course, you got the Suns, you got the Nuggets, uh, you have the Warriors at full strength, and the Clippers. So is that four teams as well? Like, do we think that the Mavericks are going to make a run in the playoffs? 
I don't think so. Don't their rim protection numbers and their defense tell you that probably not. So um, even looking at it, I mean, there are only three teams, I believe, in the NBA that are top 10 on offense and defense, and all three of them exist in the Eastern Conference. It's the Sixers, it's the uh, Cavs, and it's the Celtics. So just by that fact alone, I think there are a lot of balanced teams and really, really good teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to suggest that the East is, like, weak now, but I think, like, they really had a legit argument earlier in the season for, like, just being the, like, better conference and stronger. And now there's been a big shift. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this is going to play out, you know. Um, I know you are definitely more fond of Chris Paul uh, than I than I may be of him. And so um, we'll see, though. We'll see, though, what like what happens. I'm still not that much of a believer in the Suns. They lost a lot of their, you know, depth on the wings and their defense. And so, um, you know, someone said to me, well, Kevin Durant is a wing or, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, but do you expect him to, 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 to be your offensive player that you need him to be and like anchor a defense? No, probably not. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Um, I'm really interested to see what the Suns are going to look like. They're going to have book. They're going to have book coming back, but you're going to have book coming off of injury and, and KD coming off of an injury. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in you saying that post all-stars when the season really begins only because the all-star break happens so late in the season. There's some teams that are going to have like what, 20 games left. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Like, what are you going to get? It's a quarter of the season. And I just feel like it happens too late. I get it because you have to do it after Super Bowl. I get it. You know, the season starts earlier now. So you're putting in like, what, 10 additional games at the start. But a quarter of three quarters of the way through the season just feels like way too much. The last 20 games feel kind of useless to me. Yeah. And I don't, that's not my policy as a general rule. Like, I don't believe that. I know most people feel like the NBA season starts on like Christmas. I'm, I'm, we're, we're junkies. So the NBA season starts for us, you know, we're junkies, we're mistresses. It starts day one in October, but I think this season has just been really different than other seasons. And so I just feel like with these major trades that occurred, um, we know some players will be coming back. I just, I think we're going to see, particularly in the West, you know, like things are just so jam-packed from three to 13. I just think you're going to see like a push because at this point teams are going to be like, all right, I don't want to be in this play-in. And so I'm just hoping we get like some better basketball that turns it around and says, okay, maybe this season wasn't all mid, you know, maybe that's just some wishful thinking on my part. All right. Well, look, um, we have a guest waiting and we don't want to keep him waiting. So let's uh, take a break and we'll be right back. Um, don't leave us, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You just take a look at what the lineups could potentially look like. You put another big next to Ben, then you got to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then if you put a playmaker next to him, then you got to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. Then if you go small without with Ben, then you got to figure out can you rebound enough with him. Woo! <laughs> that was Jack Vaughn, the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, and we are joined by Christian Winfield, a reporter for the New York Daily News. Um, no one better, I thought, to talk to about this. You've written a few pieces on Ben Simmons. So let's just get into it. Were you shocked by what the coach said about Ben Simmons? Um, to a, a small degree, uh, not so much so because you can kind of see through Jacques tone, his demeanor and the words he's been using in these weeks leading up to now that, you know, they've, they've reached some sort of a bubbling point here where You've got Ben Simmons, who has started the first 275 games of his career, comes to Brooklyn now and is coming off the bench. And you feel for him a little bit because he had offseason back surgery, and he's explaining how sometimes offseason back surgery can trickle down to other parts of the body. So that's why he's saying that he has knee issues as well. Uh, but at the same time, you've got someone who's making well over $35 million this year uh, and is not able to play the number of minutes that his team needs him to play. And the reason behind that is because Jacques Vaughn is saying He's not impactful enough. He's not impactful enough in his minutes on the floor versus the guys who just came to Brooklyn in deals for Kevin Durant, for Kyrie Irving. You're starting Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson. And your first couple players off the bench are still Joe Harris and Dayron Sharp. Ben Simmons is struggling to find his way onto the floor because, well, how do you play him over guys who are outperforming him at every position? Uh, it's tough, and you feel for him because the best version of Ben is a guy who is a superstar in the making, right? A guy who can really turn the game on the defensive end and create for his teammates. But that's not where we are. And Ben said himself, he doesn't know if he's going to get to that point this season. And you put Jacques Vaughn in a situation now where you've got to make tough decisions, like putting a guy like Ben Simmons on the bench. And that's where we're at in Brooklyn right now. Yeah, I mean, he what did he play, 13 minutes the other night? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've been pretty harsh, I think, on Ben Simmons, meaning like not because I've written anything, but maybe comments if people went digging for them of what I've said about him in the past on on Twitter. But I've been pretty critical of him just in terms of like how limited he is, you know, Um, so I, I, I feel the coach's frustration. But I guess where I do feel some sympathy empathy for him is that at this point just watching it feels like this really isn't about like just like his physical abilities but maybe mentally you know like that he's just in his own head I'm not sure you know I'm not obviously diagnosed to speak about the man's mental health but it just seems like I mean you played a certain way before I don't think that you forgot 
how to play, right? Like, I don't feel like you forgot that ability. So it's just like, are you just like in your own head now? And, and if he is, like, how, how do you get him back to be the Ben Simmons that we know can be impactful? That's a tough question. I, I don't think there's any denying that a small part of this, maybe even half of this is mental, right? You, we're talking about a guy who's not even looking at the rim at times. Um, but at the same time, I've had back injury. I've had a back injury before. I had a lumbar sprain, and that is not even anywhere near as close to getting a microdisectomy, which is what Ben Simmons got in the offseason. When I had a lumbar sprain, I had to crawl out of bed, right, to, and then hold myself on stairs to try to get into an Uber to get to the hospital to figure out what was happening. Ben had a whole procedure, and you, you've seen the, the evidence. Michael Porter Jr. is talking about it as well. Hey, you know, it takes a while to get that burst back. Ben isn't a guy who has ever shot jumpers to score. He's a guy who uses athleticism. And when you have a back injury, it's there's no telling how long that can take for him to get back. So I, I think there's a significant part of this that is still physical, right? But given the fact that he sat out the entire front half of last season and cited mental health issues, I, I can only say that some of it also has to be mental as well. But it's impossible to know because we can't get into his head. We don't know. I think that's a. I think that's an incredibly fair point, and and I like that you can contextualized it because I've been really focusing in on the the mental aspect of watching him. It's it, you can see him pass up layups constantly. Yeah. You can see him just not play aggressive. And to me, a Ben Simmons who looks at the rim, a Ben Simmons who is aggressive and gets downhill quickly, like a Ben Simmons who can just play aggressive basketball is kind of what you would hope for, especially looking at a team where they need someone to step up, right? And Initially, he was in a perfect situation for him, right? He had enough scoring around him. He had everything that he needed in order to just sort of very much be a tertiary guy. Not like he was in Philadelphia where you have Joel Embiid spacing for you, so you yeah. better go do something, right? Like, right. it was a much yeah. better situation for him. And so to not see him live up there, I think that a lot of people are out on him. And I think I, I really do appreciate you contextualizing it with the back injury so that we all take a step back and realize this is someone dealing with something major outside of whatever mental blocks he has that makes him not want to shoot free throws or not look at the rim at all. Um, but like, be a better screener. Do the other things that they need you to do when you're on the court. To me, it's so disheartening to see him on this team really sort of fall to the wayside and fall to the bench. But Jacques is right. And like, can't play Cantor was, was like, uh, a really sort of nice sound bite that was harsh and hit me in the heart. But what Jean Bon said was can't play cancer, but gave us an essay. Like <laughs> he gave us a full dissertation of why. And I think it's just, it's scalding. You know, and I haven't written this yet. So this is kind of something new that I haven't said yet. I, I think that some of this has to fall on the Nets front office. Uh, when you have a guy like Ben Simmons, what worked with him in Philadelphia is that the person he was sharing the floor with in Joel Embiid was a big man who was capable of spacing the floor, right? The yeah. Nets, after all this time, have still not gotten a stretch five. So you're looking at a situation where, of course, you can't rebound with that on the floor because you don't want to have... How many non-shooters can you play with at one time and be successful? One, mm -hmm. right? If you have more if you have more than one non-shooter and both of them are poor foul shooters, you're, you're toast, right? Unless you have Kevin and Kyrie to build them out. They don't have that. And you still don't have someone to space the floor, which would be what you need to have Ben Simmons out there. Imagine if you could start Ben Simmons and have a guy like Miles Turner, right? Who you can play that yeah. pick and roll action with, but also have that pick and pop action in space as well. The Nets don't have that. And they don't have anybody that can really play that stretch out unless you're looking at Dorian Finney-Smith, who's not really the size of a five that you need to play that role. Um, some of Ben Simmons' struggles falls on the front office for not putting the right pieces around him 
in the aftermath of this Kevin Durant, Kyrie Richard. I know it's a lot to deal with in one sitting, but if now you're looking at Ben and you want him to take a step forward, you got to have more spacing out there on the floor. You can't have that if you have him and Nick Claxton out there together. Are you expecting you think ben the emergence? Oh, sorry. Oh no, I just are you expecting Ben to be on this team after this this season? That's tough. Um, part of me says yes because I think that as a front office, when you trade James Harden and you consider Seth Curry is leaving at the end of the season, Andre Drummond's already gone, Royce O'Neal you got from the first round pick that you got from Philly. Ben Simmons is the highlight of that deal. And at this point, there's no market for him. You're just watching him kind of the value for him is depreciating in real time. If you're going into the summer and saying, hey, we're going to trade Ben Simmons just to get off of his contract, I don't know that that's a smart move just because I think, honestly, it, it sounds kind of crazy, but it can only be up from, from where we are right now, right? Like, maybe not, maybe, let me knock on wood, right? There's always another layer of worse that anything can always get to. But right now, this is some of the worst basketball we've seen Ben Simmons play. And I would assume once he has more time to get through this back injury, maybe he, maybe, you know, some people have said that, maybe they shut him down for the rest of the year. If he can't play, shut him down and see what he looks like when he gets his back rehab. Um, I'm not sure if we see him in a Nets jersey just because I'm not sure what the market is for him. If the Nets can get something impactful back immediately, sure, why not? Um, but part of me is rooting for Ben Simmons. I want to see him get through this back injury because we're only, what, three years removed from when he scored 42 points on the Utah Jazz or whatever team he was playing. That was a career high for him. Looked like a completely different player, right? I think we want to see him get back to that type of athlete. Not I forget for the Nets' sake, just for his sake, just for basketball's sake, right? I was actually trying to go through it. Like, what teams could he go to? I, I think you mentioned it with Miles Turner there. Indiana would be an, an interesting fit for him. I was looking at Portland and some of these other teams, and I was like, what contracts do they have to match with Ben Simmons? I, I think that's a sort of another barrier that's there yeah. that makes a trade difficult. Is like, you've got to match his contract, and that's a really, really big one. And to your point, I guess my question is, is Nick Claxton, has he just proven to be too good this year to even try and bring in a stretch five to play Ben Simmons? Is he too good to prioritize Ben Simmons currently for the Brooklyn Nets? Um, That's a great question and a fair point. And I'd say the answer might be yes. But the, the issue with that is you have to find a way to maximize Ben Simmons. He is your highest paid player on the team. He is the player who has exhibited the longest stretch of dominance out of anybody on this roster. You have to try to exhaust your ways to make it work. So sure, why not go try to get one? Well, now it's too late. You can only do buyout market stuff, but I would have right. liked to see the Nets go get somebody who could space the floor for him and play that role and also protect the rim. They weren't able to do that, um, but it's difficult. And you're right. Nick Claxton has made it almost impossible to play Ben because he's been that good. We're talking about a guy who was really considered a defensive player of the year candidate leading the NBA in blocks. And now he's kind of disappeared because you reshuffle all the pieces around him. He's got a starting five that he's never played with. You know what I'm saying? So he's trying to figure it out on the fly. That's why you're seeing some low-scoring games from him. I'm sure he'll get it. He'll figure. He'll find his group probably after the All-Star break. Um, but yeah, with Ben, I mean, it, it's just a tough situation when you consider, like you mentioned, he makes 35 million this year, 37 million next year, and 40 million the year after that. And this is a guy who, in the last four games, is averaging four points, four rebounds, and four assists. That's not the 444 Hope was talking about. So it, it, it's tough, <laughs> but uh, you know. I'm just, I'm sure I'm sure the Nets are, are trying to figure out different ways to maximize them. I hope they are. Um, I'm not sure if we see him on the roster beyond next season, but I would like to. What, so what what's the plan for the Nets for the rest of the season? They traded away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I want to get into that. But like, what's their plan? But not plan? to Toronto. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think the Nets were, were too busy trying to get 
Pascal or OG and add to the roster before it, it was just bad. Um, the Nets are trying to figure out right now where their offense comes from, right? Obviously, when you trade away Kevin and Kyrie, you have to. It changes the whole philosophy of your offense. You go from two isolation guys that you can score through to now having to play team basketball. Who would have thought, right? And uh, now it boils down to okay, is Mikael Bridges a guy that you can run offense through? I mean, against the Knicks, he shot two for eight from the field. You tell me. It's tough, right? He had a great stretch uh, against the, with the Phoenix Suns when Devin Booker was out, but now it's a completely different situation. No Chris Paul, right? I'm sure Chris Paul had a had a decent role to play in, in Bridges getting those looks. Now it's okay. Can Mikhail break a defense down? Can he get his own basket? Uh, we'll find out. Cam Thomas can, right? But outside of that, he's got liabilities elsewhere. He's short. He's small for the position. Uh, he doesn't know how to create for his team. The, the balance between creating for his teammates and searching for his own shot is still something he's developing through, which is fine. When you got the guy who can score 40 points, three straight games, you know, you take what you take. Uh, but he's not someone that the Nets, I don't think. You have Seth Curry coming back. It's Right now, it's a juggling act. You have so many different players on this team. They've got eight different guys on the roster now who have started for different teams this season. And it's on Jacques to try to figure out how they all mesh together, what rotations play best. And they're going to lean on their defense, obviously, because you've got your, your starting lineup now has everybody 6'6 six, six or taller. Uh, you're going to be able to get some stops. But can those stops translate in the offense? Ben Simmons could help there, right? Because he's a guy who can push the ball in the transition and create for shooters. But now you're talking about playing too many non-shooters and not having the it's, – it's a, it's a juggling act for the Nets right now. And that's why once all this happened, I said, hey, that playoffs might not even happen. I know we're, we're talking about third seed, but the way this team is playing and you look at the schedule and you look at just the chemistry and continuity that they don't have, I'm predicting that they kind of – taper off here. We saw them uh, yeah. multiple games above 500. I think they're going to end up back in that play-in situation. Um, and without Kevin and Kyrie, I don't think that's where you want a team to be that doesn't right. have that alpha score. So it's For tough. Sure. Does that make you Does that make you surprised that them not making... I know it sounds ridiculous that a team that traded away Kyrie and Kevin Durant didn't make enough moves, but does that make you kind of confused at their lack of moves beyond that? You mentioned Seth Curry expiring. Why wasn't there a deal there? But also, look at the team that they have right now. They might not make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference should they have done something to try and, and build for next year. That's a great question. Um, I, I think it, it a lot of it boils down to what were the Nets able to get in the moment? What was the, what was the best package for Kevin Durant in the moment? What was the best package for Kyrie Irving? I don't know what the market was for Kyrie beyond the Dallas Mavericks. I know the Lakers wanted him for sure. I heard that myself. I know they were going to try to part ways with those picks, but do you want Russell Westbrook? No. What is he going to get you? What did they get the Lakers, right? So it, it was a difficult situation for them uh, because they kind of just – Push the big, they pushed the big red button in the middle of the season, right? You, you're not supposed to do that when you have guys like Kevin and Kai. And that's kind of why I was always all along, like, when, you have, when you're fortunate enough as a franchise to have two of the, number one, two of the best scorers in NBA history and two previous NBA Finals champions, right? Those are guys you want to do everything in your power to keep. And I guess there was some type of disconnect there. We can get into that uh, maybe another time when we have more time. Uh, but to go from that to now selling your fan base on basically the, the Nets kids again, right? Like you've got Mikhail Bridges, you've got young players who still have to take steps in their game, and you've got really good teams that are in that 8, 9, 10 spot, right? And it, it's just the way it's going to go. Um, should they have done more to improve the roster? Sure, but what could they have gotten? I'm not sure. I don't know what was out there for them. I think they really started to become sellers. Oh, I mean, that's not off the table. Tear it down I'm more. Not sure. <laughs> 
I'm not yeah. sure that's off the table because other teams are going to be interested in Bridges, right? right. The, the Nets could easily trade Bridges to, for example, the Memphis Grizzlies. If you put Mikhail Bridges on the Memphis Grizzlies and those Grizzlies dangle those same picks they're about to trade for, they were trying to trade for Kevin Durant, now you've got maybe 10 first-round picks to build from, right? So it, yeah. it can go so many different ways. I think it depends on how this season plays out, who we see step forward, and if anybody on this roster is kind of worth being a cornerstone. Uh, obviously, you would consider Nick Claxton, Mikhail Bridges, potential cornerstones, but we've got to see how the season shakes out because now the focus is on them. They don't have seven and 11 to kind of take cover for them. Well, they did trade their their actual cornerstones. So those guys went west, <laughs> um, shook, yeah. up, shook up the Western Conference. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on just how Kyrie might impact the Mavs and same for Kevin with the Suns? Like, do you see the Suns, first of all, as now the Denver has the number one record, but with the addition of Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns, do you see them as like the team or would you still put Denver above them or do you see some other team? To be honest, after covering Kevin for three years, I think any team that has him is the team. Uh, he just comes in and completely changes the way a franchise approaches. Number one, he legitimizes the championship aspirations the second he walks through the door. Um, and number two, he just gives you that weapon down the stretch where it's just like, okay, who's going to stop him from scoring? Because the answer is usually it's nobody. And he can go out and get a stop on the other end, and that's ball game. We watched him do it in the NBA Finals twice to LeBron, right? So that, I think it's tough because Denver has played such really good basketball this year, and they have that chemistry, whereas Phoenix is going to have to figure out a way to put it together. But a lot of these games, I feel like, are going to come down to who can get a bucket in crunch time. And when you've got Kevin to lean on, I, I like your odds. Just like I like Dallas's odds now because we watched what Luka did in the playoffs last year pretty much by himself. And now you've got Kyrie Irving there. Um, Kyrie is another guy who you give him the ball with five seconds left on the clock and he's going to make something happen. Uh, I like Denver's, I like I like Dallas's odds, but the issue with them is how are they going to get a stop? Those games are going to go to 150 to 149. It's also going to come down the last seconds. Um, but in the end, I, I still do like Denver. I would love to see Denver and Phoenix play in a series. Um, I think that would be an incredible basketball game or an incredible series of basketball games. Um, if Phoenix can put together, if, if Phoenix can figure out how they play now, right? And I'm sure it's not that difficult to figure out, okay, we've got Kevin Booker, Aiden, Chris Paul, let's make it work. I think they're your favorites in the West, um, but Denver's playing well. Uh, Golden State is probably going to turn a corner soon. It's a, it's a lot of good basketball out West for sure. So, I mean, we've had a few, a number of different people on and everyone's, thoughts, at least on the West, is that it's still wide open. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's wide open, but I think there's probably some more teams than we're thinking than just the ones at the top who could potentially post all-star, make a little push. Um, what about the East, though? I know we're going to wrap, but I just, I'm curious, because last night the Celtics lost to the Bucks, but Tatum didn't play, Smart didn't play, Jalen didn't play. I mean, really, it was like, they're 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 supporting cast really out there and they needed a 40 point game from drew and they went to overtime to win that game and so i don't know i just i just think that the celtics are the best team in the east and i think it's gonna anyone who wants to make the finals i think it's gonna run through through boston yeah you know for a large part of this season uh at least the first half of the year maybe the first the first leg of the year i was saying look the Celtics only got to the NBA Finals because Chris Middleton got hurt, right? And, and I'm standing on that. I think if Chris Middleton didn't get hurt in the playoffs last year, Milwaukee wins that series and they potentially beat the Warriors in the Finals, right? 
Um, yeah. This year, though, these Celtics, they have a deeper roster. Um, coaching change didn't impact them being at the top of the standings. Um, and, and you're also seeing Jalen Brown, Jason Taylor continue to add to their games. Uh, I, I think it's hard to make a case against Boston, but it's also hard to make a case, a case against Giannis in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know how you stop him from being a one-man wrecking ball coming down the lane time and time and time again. Um, that's a series I want to see. And I think it's clear that those two teams have separated themselves from the pack. Um, even considering Brooklyn, when they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I think they were still another level they needed to get to to be part of that that cream exactly. of the crop in the East. So, so no love yeah. for Philly. No love for Philly. What are your thoughts um, on, do you think they can sort of break into that tier? And I mean, the Cavs have been pretty good as well. I mean, really good. Maybe, sure. I think for Philly, there's, I, I don't know. I'm not a, a hundred. I don't, I think they're a step above Cleveland. Right, I'd put them in yeah. that. Th- I'd put them three, right behind yeah. uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, but I'm just—it's just something about them where I'm not a believer, right? It, it, I just—they feel—they feel like a highly combustible group, yep. and I, I just don't think that they have the same type of pedigree as a Bucks team or, or a Celtics team. But I'd love to be proven wrong, right? I'd love to see Joel Embiid in the NBA Finals. I just want to know what that looks like, right? And I think we all do. So. Um, I agree with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, you know we'll have you back. Appreciate you, Christian Winfield. Thank you for having me, guys. Anytime. Of course. Take care. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Oh, the slam dunk contest. How exciting. KJ Martin, Mac McClung. Jericho Sims and Trey Murphy III. I mean, these are your dunk contestants. Slam dunk participants. How excited are you? Vincent Goodwill. (laughs) You don't need any introduction. Everybody knows Vince. He's here every week. He's like, you know, my annoying brother who won't go away. So he needs no introduction. I'm joking. Vince, I know you uh, are a busy man. you know, high demand, you got things to places to be after us. So I won't keep you too long, but um, you're heading out to all-star tomorrow. So 
I want to know what your level of excitement is. You've seen the slam dunk participants, but what's what's your thoughts on this this NBA All Star that's approaching us weekend? Uh, for one, I feel outnumbered. I would just say that I, I feel like this is going to be a bullying session. So I'm I'm following the complaint with I'm HR and, nice. and management. Already, yeah, that's a myth. <laughs> you're like dylan brooks exists dylan brooks has ruined it for all of us <laughs> I, I went to toronto during the 2019 nba finals for one the sun doesn't come out and for two y'all ain't as friendly as y'all as y'all claim to be no but i'm just no, playing but um we're not it's facts it's facts <laughs> but for all-star it's in salt lake city I, like <laughs> i listen I, I think the slam dunk contest is indicative of the all-star weekend being in Salt Lake city. You know what I mean? So, Hey, we've got to do something about these cold weather cities for one. Right. Secondly, level of excitement. Mm, it's all-star weekend. So it's going to be fun. You're going to see some guys around that you don't necessarily get a chance to see on a regular basis. And people are a little more loose in terms of like, you know, the media stuff, you know, guys that let their hair down a little bit more. So I, I won't say it's it's down, but I will say it's about an eight. It, it's it's about an eight. There's some other activities that people can get into around All Star Weekend that you can't get into during the, the grind and hustle of the NBA beat. But uh, the NBA is going to have they have an issue here, I think, Matt, where you've got to get your players excited about All Star Weekend. You've got to get them invested into promoting the game. And this slam dunk contest could be fun. Right? It could very well be fun and fulfilling and everything else, but those names are not going to, you know, strike anything out of anybody, you know, initially. Like, more people may get excited about it in the aftermath than, you know, in the lead up to, just because it's not the stars that you would want to see. And it's been that way for a few years now. And you wonder if maybe you got to up the level of the, you know, of the reward money or, you know what I mean, get Nike involved or get any other shoe companies involved. But something's got to be done about this if you want to promote Saturday night. For sure. I mean, you were on before and you mentioned like people are probably going to be more excited about the draft for the All-Star game than they are the game itself or some of the other activities. And I think you're probably right. I mean, you've also lost some like Kevin Durant's not going to be playing. Steph Curry's not going to be playing. Um, Have you heard anything about how much LeBron's going to be playing? I know it just came out that he's going to be honored there, but he hasn't been playing for the Lakers. There's news about him managing injuries. So how involved will he be in terms of like playing in the game? Have you seen LeBron James's movies for 20 plus years? Do you think that he's not going to play in this all-star game? He's he's not playing for the Lakers, but he's playing. Okay. He will, he will play tonight. I am willing or the next game. I think it's, I think it's the thing. Yeah, it is tonight. Okay. He will play tonight. I'm, I'm pretty close to guaranteeing he's going to play tonight in New Orleans. Because you can't miss your last game before All-Star and then go and play an All-Star. So he wants his flowers. He wants the adulation, the glory. He wants everybody genuflecting at the throne. And you can't do that if you don't actually play. So I think he's going to play tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to go and win, you know, MVP or or something like that. A, because it's not going to be that much exertion on his body. He can just sit around and take jump shots and, you know, throw some behind-the-back passes that gets the crowd in and out of it. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he just went all out for it. Can I ask, what do you uh, what do you think the reason that stars don't do the dunk contest is? Do you think they're just scared of being clowned? Like, LeBron's never done it. There was all those rumors earlier on. Are they just scared of, like, it not working out for them and they're getting clowned on their way out? Like, what is it? I think that's part of it. A big part of it is 
there's more to lose than there is to gain by doing the dunk contest. And the second part of it is we as a public have a very high standard for what we think an entertaining dunk is. You know what I mean? In a way, a lot of things, unless you're involving a prop or a second realm or something like that, that's going to be really hard to show people something that they haven't seen. The beauty of the dunk contest in the 80s and even with Vince Carter in 2000 was that there were things, there was a level of artistry that we hadn't seen, jumping from the free throw line, rim rattling dunks from Dominique, you know, just stuff that sort of, you know, shakes your imagination. Now, whether it's, you know, YouTube or you see high school high school kids do crazy dunks all the time, it's hard to impress us. And honestly, I don't know if twenty thousand dollars is enough incentive to get guys off their off their seats when they more they like more of the fashion show of sitting down and letting everybody see what they're wearing than it is that they're actually participating in it. Hmm. I just feel like to kind of continue what, you know, the Jordans and the Dominiques did of the past, it would be great to have, well, maybe not now, but would have been great to have a LeBron James and John Morant as a player. You could easily see, like, people would want to see him in. I just, I think the NBA needs to do something to, like, get these guys more involved because I think people look more now for the three-point contest than they do the slam dunk competition. That's disappointing to me. Wow, I'm surprised that something like that is coming from Here you. Here we go, Vincent. You know what? I wish you safe travels. <laughs> I also didn't get to ask, so we'll leave it. But I'm curious what you did yesterday to celebrate Valentine's Day. So you have safe travels to the um, All-Star game. We'll talk the to you The love again. doctor was dishing out advice on Valentine's Day. That's what you? the love doctor was doing. You were, you're the, the love doctor? I'm the love doctor. The love doctor was dishing out advice for many a wayward couple. And I suffice to say, I have a 100% success rate. The love doctor never fails. Okay. Later, Vince. See you guys. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Amon, I just think that sports Twitter is like the best thing ever, whether it's NBA, NFL, whatever it is. Um, and the fact that the athletes also are able to contribute their voice is like the greatest thing ever. And so the Super Bowl uh, new slash happened on Sunday and there was a controversial call, I guess, at the end that a lot of people are talking about. And um the call was um, against the Eagles, right? And so I think everyone knows right. this. Juju, um, there was a penalty. And so as a result, some people say, like, 
not that's why the Eagles won, but we like that's why the Chiefs had the ability to drain the clock. And so Juju tweeted like, oh, you can hold me anytime using a picture of Brad, James Bradbury. And that was the player who, you know, got the holding call on him. And it just sparked this, 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 I don't know, this reaction from all the NFL players. Like he was clearly just trying to troll. Um, but oh my goodness, it was just insane. Um, all the players came at him. You know, of course you expect James Bradbury's teammates to come out and support him. So AJ, CJ, all of them, you know, like having his right. back. But there were other players, non-Eagles players, all going at Juju for just trolling because they won the game. I, you know, I love that you said sports Twitter's fun because it truly is. As someone who, you know, has watched all of 10 minutes of an NFL game all season at the Super Bowl, waiting for that Rihanna show to start. Um, I love my foray into the, the football world. I got an understanding of what was happening because of tweets. I feel well-versed in everything now because of tweets. But to me, this is my stance on everything. You win, you get to clown. You don't want to be clown, don't lose. Like, don't put yourself in a position to be down where a team can run out the clock and still beat you. I think players on the Eagles are mad, obviously, because it's a little bit of Bruce feelings and also protecting their guy, and I support and respect that. But I think the other players are mad because it's like there's a sportsmanship code, you know? Like, I liken this to, like, let's say a team is up 20 and there's 20 seconds left. You better not go and get a layup. Like, you better dribble out the clock. Otherwise, everybody's going to converge on you and call you out for being unsportsmanlike. But you know what was really more embarrassing than by losing by 22 points and losing by 20? is the fact that you played like crap for the first 47 minutes of the game. Be mad at yourself, not at the player for running up the score. And that's how I feel about the juju thing. I'm all for clowning if you win. Yeah. I guess, you know, we'll see. But it made for a great afternoon on Twitter. You mentioned Rihanna. So Rihanna's also, I mean, she's Rihanna. So, of course, everyone's talking about Riri. But, you know, there was this whole, like, debate um, after she performed and the news came out that she didn't get paid for performing in the Super Bowl. And I don't really actually understand why this is a news headline every year because we know this. Like, the, the performers who perform, they actually don't get paid. Well, they get paid, like, a union wage. But they don't get paid for performing in the Super Bowl. Um, but the associated costs, like, for the performance, everything, the, the NFL pays for. But with that said, they're rewarded in other ways. The musical artists, their streams boom. With Rihanna, Fenty Beauty, like, um, searches on the site were up. I imagine her some of her, her sales skyrocketed. Um, her streams also went up. So all of these things happen. So it's it's another form of payment. It's just not like, here's this X sum that you're getting to perform. And so, I don't know, Twitter, you know, they decided to use that to make a case for why people should work for free and, and use the Rihanna example, which I think is a poor example. What do you think? No, I completely agree with that. I think the way that we should be looking at this is not Rihanna's the employee, but Rihanna's the brand. If you want to advertise your brand at the Super Bowl, you're paying millions of dollars to get that ad space. Rihanna and the Super Bowl have a quid pro quo where she performs for them and gets to advertise her brand. Stream sales go up, Fenty products sell out, like you were saying. That is the whole idea. She is a brand making a business decision. And it's totally different than asking someone to work for you for free. Very yeah. different, guys.
Exactly. Like <laughs> me, Natalie, like the Super Bowl opportunity, and I don't mean Super Bowl specifically, but something of that magnitude is not going to be available to me to get that that reward benefit. So no, you need to pay me and you need to pay most common folk for their time. Rihanna and she her says, brand Sis Fenty. better have my money. <laughs> exactly. It's very different. So get rid of that argument. It sucks. Aman, so thankful for you for coming on today to join me. I appreciate you Thank so you much. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of Have fun. a great rest of the day. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.